This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hi, everyone. This is Jordan Hoffman, and um, I just wanted to let you know that we pre-recorded the fourth episode of Engage, the official Star Trek podcast, um, just a few days before Anton Yelchin passed away, and I didn't think it would be right to just sort of jump in with our peppy um, intro without addressing that first. It is, um, it's, uh, it's a tragedy what happened. You know, we, we, we use the word tragedy a lot, um, but in this case, it really is, uh, I think it's really... Um, Apt. This was a really young man. He was 27 years old. It was, while we don't yet know the specifics of, of, of how he died, um, I don't know that we'll ever know uh, the exact specifics. It, it, it seems by all accounts uh, a preventable death, and, and this was someone who, uh, who had a lot more to give. And it's really, uh, it's really sad, and certainly it affects those of us who love Star Trek because he was uh, terrific. In the Star Trek films, um, the uh, the casting of the new Star Trek films is really, I think, its its greatest value. Um, from stem to stern, every member of the cast had a really difficult task ahead of them. It was here, um, put your own spin on this extremely beloved and well known character with the most rabid fan base imaginable. Go. And uh, and everyone did it uh, well, does it well, continues to do it well. And and Yelchin was right at the top. Uh, his checkoff, uh, I always found terrific. Didn't didn't get the most amount of screen time, but but every moment he's on screen, he really nails it. Um, you know, there was a a, a a lot of people have been talking about Anton Yelchin since uh, since the news broke. Um, and there are, if you want to poke around the internet, there are some really nice testimonials by people who work with him particularly uh, Jeremy Saulnier, who was the director of the film Green Room, uh, which is a great movie, uh, and um, Jodie Foster, who directed him in the movie The Beaver, which uh, was a decent movie. Um, but I think the thing that touched me the most was something that uh, uh, Mike Johnson, who is the um, writer of uh, most of, writer or co-writer of most of the current Star Trek comics and most of the the comics that Johnson is writing uh, is with uh, Yelchin's version of Chekhov if you will um, and this was a tweet so it was only a few words uh, plus a picture and he just wrote optimism, courage humor, sense of wonder Anton Yelchin's Chekhov captured the heart of Star Trek and I think I think that's really apt um you know, there's no point in doing a compare contrast between Yelchin and Walter Koenig, but uh, I think what you see in the movies is um, kind of a, an upbeat, optimistic uh, exuberance in the role. And um, it's going to make seeing the new one a little weird and a little sad. 
Um, but anyway, wanted to make sure we talked about that before we jumped into the new episode. And also, um, if you haven't, Yeltsin worked a lot for a guy who was 27. He, he made a lot of films, and some of them were big ones that um, you know were in multiplexes like Fright Night, which is fun. Uh, Terminator Salvation, which wasn't so hot, but, uh, you know, not, not Anton's fault. Um, but I mentioned Green Room, which I think is out now, uh, streamable. Uh, it's a small movie, and you guys, Star Trek fans, know about it because Patrick Stewart's in it also. He plays a, 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 a murderous neo-Nazi, and uh, Yelchin is, is, they're trapped in a, they're like a traveling rock man trapped in the Green Room, and it's a really interesting movie, and... Uh, Shows off a you know difficult film to make, uh, low budget but very precise and choreographed action survival horror film that um, you know could not have been easy. Um, you know, uh, on the romantic comedy or not even the romantic drama side of things, uh, like Crazy was a Sundance film from a few years ago that Yelchin was in was probably the the role that gave him the most uh, critical acclaim. And also uh, from last year, a movie that really not a lot of people saw, but I really liked called Five to Seven, in which young Anton Yelchin plays a uh, writer in New York who begins an affair with an older married French woman. It's, It's a nice little movie. Um... And uh, he was also a bit of a chameleon. He would slip into low-budget independent movies for a couple of scenes. Jim Jarmusch's Only Lovers Left Alive, which is a great movie with Tom Hiddleston and Tilda Swinton about vampires in Detroit. And also, he's in a couple of scenes in a really strange movie called Experimenter, which is um, a biopic about Stanley Milgram, which is another Star Trek connection because uh, William Shatner, of course, did a... uh, TV uh, TV movie version of Milgram. And actually, that's in the movie. In Experimenter, you get to see a guy playing William Shatner playing Stanley Milgram. It's pretty wild. So uh, celebrate Anton Yelchin's life by seeing his films. And um, anyhow, I wanted to kick off uh, today's episode the right way by um, addressing this issue. And certainly, we'll be talking a lot about him as time continues and as we see the third Star Trek film. Space, the final frontier. These are the voyages of the Starship Enterprise. Its continuing mission to explore strange new worlds. Only go where no man has gone before. Engage. Engage. Kirk Enterprise, Enterprise. This is Captain Jean-Luc Picard. Captain Catherine Janeway. Captain Sisko. Red alert. Photon torpedoes, fire. The official Star Trek podcast. Engage. Engage. Make it so. With your host, Jordan Hoffman. That, sir, is illogical. And to make sure history never forgets. This is Engage. Hailing frequencies open, sir. Excitement, action, and adventure. Those are three words I think about when I hear the opening theme to engage the official Star Trek podcast. Welcome back, everyone. Whether you are listening in your car, whether you're listening in your bathtub, whether you are listening in your bathtub, in your car, you may be that wealthy that you have one. Welcome back to engage the official Star Trek podcast. I am your host, Jordan Hoffman. 
It is great to be back with you. Now, as I have said multiple times on the show, I am honest to a fault. I have green Vulcan blood in me. I will never lie to you, my audience members. And as such, even though it is episode four, and you listened to episode three with uh, our good friend Josh Horowitz maybe a week ago, Josh just walked out of the building like five minutes ago. And we're recording these episodes back to back, back to back action here on Engage, the official Star Trek podcast. Why? Because we are still, still in space dock. We're getting our space legs. It's early days, season one of Engage, the official Star Trek podcast. And, uh, you know, it takes a little bit of um, finagling and uh, organizing and orchestrating to get a podcast off the ground. So we uh, are front-loading some of these episodes a little bit. But this is the last one of the pre-launch. Why am I telling you this? You might say, what do I care? Because I know at the end of the last episode and in the end of all the episodes, I've implored you to please contact me, whether it's on Twitter at at Jay Hoffman, which is my Twitter handle, or whether it's on Facebook at facebook.com slash engage the official Star Trek podcast, or whether it's by leaving a review on iTunes or a note on StarTrek.com or, you know, just sending up a flare. I've been imploring you to do so because I do want to hear from you. Some might even say I want to engage with you. Engage. About what this show should be and about Star Trek and about life in general. So by now, some of you have probably sent me some really interesting and informative notes of encouragement and also maybe some notes of constructive criticism, which is fair. I'll accept that. Um, but I haven't read them yet because we're still a week behind. You got that? It's time shifting. It's time dilation. You like science fiction. You understand the concept, right? It's not that hard. But the point is that I am reading all of your notes, and uh, particularly if they're nice. If they're not nice, I, I stop mid-sentence and I delete them. No, if, I, if they're not nice, I read them too. And um, I try to um, incorporate, and I want to incorporate your thoughts and ideas and your hopes for the show. I did actually get, you know, we're, we're definitely going to um, follow your lead for what the show is going to be and what kind of programming we're going to have. Now, this week, by the way, is an exciting time because um, we have someone in the studio this week that I don't know as well as I would like. He's outside right now. He's not in yet. We haven't beamed him in. But um, he is a, a Star Trek author. Um, but he does not write the books that you might have in mind when I say Star Trek author. I mean, there are some great Star Trek authors. Don't get me wrong. You know, there's uh, the great Greg Cox and uh, Dayton Ward and from years ago, Peter David, who have written wonderful Star Trek novels. That's not exactly what I'm talking about. Our guest today, who goes by the name of Rob Perlman, and we're going to learn all about him, uh, writes really fun, um, well, you know, I don't know what, these, what you would call these books, really fun, humor-based Star Trek books, like... Fun with Kirk and Spock, which came out two years ago, which is hilarious. And The Wit and Wisdom of Star Trek, which came out last year. And a new one that's coming out mere weeks from now. And we're going to talk all about that in a moment. So let's go down to head, to head to engineering. Let's go down and head to engineering. And beam in our guest. Hold on. Uh, let's see if this button works here. Let's see if we can beam him in. Oh my god, he's materializing. 
<laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, the nucleons, nucle the nucleotides, is that a thing? Is a nucleotide a thing? The nucleus, no, the neutrons. The neutrons and the electrons have formed. The atoms have formed, and Rob Perlman is here. Red alert, he's here, sitting in the studio here on deck 44 of Engage. With all of my molecules. With all of your molecules intact. I Rob, think, I think. I gave you a big introduction before that you didn't hear. And I said uh, that you were a Star Trek author mm -hmm. of a certain style of book, other than just calling them fun. What is the official industry term for what it is that you do for Star Trek? Best-selling books? Yay! Best books? <laughs> what exactly are you looking for? No, what are they called? What are these books called? They're called great? They're called great. I think technically yeah. in, in like the Barnes & Noble, it's probably in the humor section. Humor section. Okay, great. There's an industry term. So um, there are uh, the fun with Kirk and Spock was the first one that came out two years ago. Yes. And uh, even though there's no cameras on right now, I'm holding it as if there were. I'm showing it to the cat. You're Vanna Whiting it to death. It's fantastic. <laughs> Vanna Whiting this. Fun with Kirk and Spock, which everybody knows is just friggin' hilarious. It is basically a children's book. Ish. Ish. Mm -hmm. With some adult humor. I don't mean risque humor. I mean humor for, for grownups. For grownups. Yes. Uh, that takes well-known scenes from Star Trek. Basically, yeah. it's a it's a parody of the Dick and Jane. Books. It's the that's the one. But no, there's one of of, of 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 what Vulcans do with their uh, with their emotions. So here it is. See Spock. Hold on a second. See Spock. See Spock. Push down his feelings. Down, down, down. Push, push, push. No one smiles on Vulcan. And then there's a really fun drawing of Spock. That's the book that's dynamite. That Thanks. was the one. Mm -hmm. The fans went bananas for. They did. They it, did. It launched my Star Trek book writing career. It, did it really? <laughs> yeah, it was my first one. What? Um, the fans were actually incredibly, <laughs> incredibly kind. Because it. it is not. Um, you could say, "Oh, fun with Dick and Jane parody." Mm -hmm. You could, you could sort of phone that in if you wanted to. Mm -hmm. This book does not. It comes from a place first of great humor. You were a funny man. Thank you. But it also comes from a place of great knowledge and understanding of the franchise. There are a lot of mm -hmm. deep cuts in there. Mm -hmm. Gorgon is on there, Marvin mm -hmm. Belli's character. Mm -hmm. It's mm -hmm. deep cuts in there. Mm -hmm. um, you pick from the iconic moments of the show, you pick from the beloved moments of the show, yeah. and you write it up in this very amusing way. So. I, I wanted to give something for everybody. <laughs> I wanted to give the really deep cuts for the real hardcore fans. Um, and I wanted to give some of the, the things that you see all the time for the people who sort of dip in and out of Star Trek or don't know it very well. Um, and I think, thank you for saying it comes from a place of knowledge, because I really tried hard. But I think it also comes from a place of appreciation and love for it. Um, and I think if someone had written it, this is not to toot my own horn. No, but toot away. If someone was doing this who didn't really know Star Trek, it might come off a little, not mean, but a little disingenuous. Right. No, I mean, that's, you know, you got to, we love Star Trek, and love is a complex emotion. Indeed. Vulcans would never understand. But no. love, when you love something, you love it when it's up, and you love it when it's down. Right. And when it's down, episodes like And the Children Shall Lead, mm -hmm. which is an abomination, mm -hmm. um, <laughs> unwatchable, <laughs> um, we still love that. Mm -hmm. I love the Gorgon, you know. Uh, uh, Spock's brain. Well, actually, I think Spock's brain is actually good. Mm -hmm. I'm, uh, Spock's, uh, no, Spock's brain is fun. Spock's brain 
You don't like Spock's brain? I don't like Spock's brain. Come on. I don't. Luna the Eyemark? You don't like Luna? <laughs> I always lose track of what the hell is going on. He has no brain, and he's yeah. trying to find his brain. Yeah. But, uh, brain and brain. What is brain? <laughs> I think there are better episodes. <laughs> there are better episodes, but I don't think Spock's brain is... Uh, Spock's brain is too much fun to dislike. Yes, yes. And and she looked great. Mm-hmm. She's got boots that cease to be boots and then sort of become stock. I don't understand. Like, I think the boots go all the way up to her shoulders or something. <laughs> I don't. But then they have these gashes along the side uh-huh. that expose everything. I don't know what they are. It's the it's the melding of uh, of uh, engineering and fashion. Right. Which right. is perfect. Yeah. Well, she, yeah. That, and clearly they, they need a advanced brain to yes, work on that because yeah. they got their, their footwear is out uh-huh. of control all right so yeah well so uh, so i want to ask you so you um and i have your bio here rob uh, i want to read a little bit about the official bio. one or the one i clipped it off of amazon about 20 minutes ago okay. um so i know a little bit about you mm-hmm. thanks to my clipping and pasting skills <laughs> um but i want to know when uh when you became a star trek fan were you as a kid? Were you watching Star Trek as a kid, or is this something that happened more recently? Well, you know, we were we never existed in a world without Star Trek. True, right? So it was always there. So when it was on reruns on Channel Eleven here in New York, um, it was on, and I would sort of dip was it eleven or was it nine? I think it was eleven. Oh my god, I think you're right. And I've done so many. I, I keep saying Channel Nine, Brian. You've heard me say I, Channel Nine. Like I remember five times. watching on Channel Eleven. Yeah, Why I didn't you say was, anything? Well, because maybe earlier on it was on Channel Nine, but I mean, when I was, I was watching the early '90s. So, oh my god, I think uh, it was eleven. No, you're right, Brian. How many times have no, I said but, Channel Nine? But no, but the later <laughs> series were on Channel Nine, though. I mean, yeah, Voyager was on Channel. It wasn't Nine. no, Deep Space Nine was on eleven too. Oh, yeah. man. All right, we got to yeah. go back to all the old episodes and, and, and <laughs> edit over. You're right. It was Channel 11, WPIX. Yeah. Picks, picks, picks. Yeah. I remember watching it like Saturday afternoons or Sunday afternoons. What about especially? like yep. in the middle of the night, though? I used to watch it at night at like 9 o'clock, <clears throat> at midnight. I was probably asleep. <laughs> I had school in the morning. <laughs> Some of us cared about our grades, Jordan. That's why you're a successful writer. <laughs> And I'm a schmuck talking into a microphone. <laughs> All right. You know what? It doesn't matter. You know, the kids today don't even know what we're talking about. Channel this. What's channel What's number? A channel? Give me my Netflix. Give me my CBS All so Access. Confusing. That's what it is. You stream it. You poke it. What are commercials? You, like you say, so you you just, one day you woke up and realized that you already knew Star Trek. It was in the ecosystem. It, it was like I never didn't know it. Um, I think as I grew up and as um, Next Generation started, I gained a new appreciation for it and I would actively seek it out um, but I would go to all the movies whenever a new one was released it was always just there um, you know I think a lot of the culture was sort of overshadowed by Star Wars mm. when it came out so that was like a big spectacular with all of the toys and that was kind of overwhelming but Star Trek was always there Spock was always there I always knew who he was I knew who Kirk was all of your books thus far are original series mm-hmm. related mm-hmm. Is that just that's just the way that that's been thus far? Or do you have a special affinity for your original series? I think it's a little bit of both. Um, I think that's how that's how the, the feedback we were getting from the audience is that what's that's what they were looking for, right? right, um, right. Especially okay. initially. But I love the original series. Like, yeah, I, I think there's a, a, a dramatic quality to it. I love the production values. I love the whole heightened sort of reality. I like yeah. the camera shaking. I like the fuzzy gauze on all, on the women. Yeah, yeah. Well, there and there is sort of on a on a story level. There, there each most episodes are like independent 
uh, little beautiful uh, pieces of, of, of fiction yes. of, of, of a great literature. Mm-hmm. You know, they're like small Greek plays. Mm-hmm. You know, and they and they are very broad in in, in their in their in their ideals, and and they just sort of like. And now we're going to do this on the Enterprise right. you know, with these characters. Mm-hmm. And I think they titled them to be that. Mm. I mean, the the titles are they're all great. They're, What's yeah. your favorite? I mean, obviously your favorite is. For the is it for the world is hollow and I touch the sky. I mean, of that's, course, that's I mean, how the, could it not? It just it trips off the tongue. It really, <laughs> it really is, um, and that's not a bad episode either. It's not you know, for season three. It's pretty good. Yeah, and one of the few really bone centric ones. No, you're right. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's. Um, I mean, some of them are, are more obvious than others, but if yeah. you don't know a mock time, you don't. What does that mean? Yeah, is is it a, is it a muck time? Like he's run a muck. I think it's a mock. Yeah, I know. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah, no. No, a mock time is... Maybe it uh, did in the 60s. Yeah, yeah. That's not my favorite title either, a mm-hmm. mock time. I've never really liked that title. Oh, um, and in truth, there's no in, beauty? No, I can't even say... I know what you're saying. In Is there in truth no beauty? Yes. It's impossible to... And I, I don't know the answer to that question because I can't understand. <laughs> <laughs> is it, like, is there in truth, comma, but there is no comma, no beauty? No beauty? No beauty, or is it? Is there, is there in truth? Is no there beauty? Comma in truth, no beauty. Right. Oh, maybe that's what it is. But there's no commas anywhere. Right. And it's a weird episode. That's not. That's not one of my favorites. No. I mean, it's good, but it's mm-hmm. not. Uh, but the visor's fabulous. The, the visor is great, and she wears that purplish thing. Uh-huh. I mean, she does look gorgeous. Yeah. She really does. Um, yeah. The other titles. I mean, and then some of them, of course, are taken from Shakespeare. Right. Conscious mm-hmm. of the King, mm-hmm. uh, Dagger of the Mind. Mm-hmm. Those are some really nice titles. Yeah, they really they really titled them well. Well, Conscious of the King is Shakespearean. I mean, you've got yeah. the whole Hamlet play yeah, within yeah. a play thing. It is. It is. It is that. Mm-hmm. It is that. I just watched that again the other day. I had it was funny because I had um, on um, on Twitter um, for I've always liked to, to to make a different little Star Trek face as my avatar. Mm-hmm. Now I just have a picture of me. Um, in Klingon makeup, mm-hmm. but yes. for, usually I'll take like you know an alien or something iconic. And for a couple of months, I had Caridian or Kodos the Executioner with the with the mask, you know, kind of the clay mask. Mm-hmm. It's a great image, mm-hmm. and it makes sense for Twitter because it's a face, but it's like a mask because it's mm-hmm. not really you on Twitter. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know, I see I know what I'm I doing. And then one day I'm like, wait a second, this guy's a mass murderer. Oh, Why am I presenting <laughs> myself? <laughs> As what was clearly a a Hitler or a Adolf Eichmann uh, yeah. character. I yeah. mean that that show was written in nineteen. Uh, the original pitch is one of the. Mm-hmm. I believe that was one of the original pitches from Roddenberry's first uh, stash. Mm-hmm. So it was very much on people's minds. So, yeah, it was very much on people's minds. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So I discovered this and I went, whoa, whoa, I'm taking this down right now. This and you put crazy. up John Wayne Gacy instead. <laughs> right. No, exactly. Yeah. yeah, that's exactly what I did. <laughs> um, okay. So, yes, let's. So you um, have a new book, but I want to talk a little bit about you. This is what it says about you on Amazon. And everything on the internet is true. I know. Well, it lists a slew of previous credits, and all of these sound great. Now, the new book you have, which we're going to talk about today is called Red Shirt's Little Book of Doom. Yes. Which I am now holding a copy of, and I've been very resistant to open it. I'm really dying to, but I wanted to kind of open it. You were the first person outside of my family to see that book. Is that right? Wow, I'm thrilled. Don't break it. Don't break it. I mean, it looks hilarious. I'm laughing at it already. The front, (laughs) the animation, not animation, the uh, illustration style is very different from 
fun with Kirk and Spock. Very different. Because somebody different mm-hmm. has illustrated it. Mm-hmm. That explains it. This is illustrated by a woman named Anna Maria Young. Mm-hmm. And um, on the back cover, it's a happy little red shirt whistling a happy tune, oblivious to everything. He's got a smile on his face, and he's about to step on a banana peel. Oh, poor red shirt. Yeah. So that's not going to go well for him. So I'm looking forward to that. But previously, I'm just going to run by, and I want to talk a little bit about some of these. Okay. Uh, Fun with Kirk and Spock, we know about. 101 Ways to Kill a Zombie. Mm -hmm. Are there any repeats in that? Not one. Really? Wow. Yeah. (laughs) You think we would cheat? Well, I don't know. 99-ish. What was the 102nd? What was the because clearly you brainstormed and then you're like no oh. no no and then there was one and like oh I can't fit them all in I wrote about two hundred of them mm. um, some of them were definitely more adult than others and okay. we tried to make it as family friendly as possible Fair enough. even though zombies were being killed right yeah isn't it just you just get them in the head are they all are they all variants of you have to somehow decimate the brain not always the brain oh yeah. Okay. In my world, you can kill zombies in, in okay. different ways. So All you can right. kill them with a unicorn. You can kill them with a... <laughs> a unicorn horn to the head? Yeah. Or just, oh, yeah. okay. So you ride your unicorn in, like you knock the zombie down and then sort of... Impale them right on... Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. But my favorite one out of that one was um, Nerd Rage. So it's a zombie in the middle of Comic-Con mm. wearing a t-shirt that says, Where's Carl? And you've got all of these sort of cosplayers ripping him to shreds. <laughs> awesome. This uh, that you that was published in 2013. Mm-hmm. Uh, in 2012, you published something called Nerd Haiku. Yes, seven five nine five five seven five five seven five. Mm-hmm. Not an area code. Those are these. Um, <laughs> Maybe it isn't an area code. It could be. I never dialed. Could you it. imagine if you d- everybody in the five seven five area code has to speak? <laughs> In very specific <laughs> syllables, and then otherwise you get disconnected. But they really get to the point, right? They do, and it's beautiful, yes. and usually has some nature imagery, so Absolutely. it's very nice. Yeah, with a twist at the end. Right. <laughs> Haiku, for those of you who don't remember, is it's a poem originating in Japan. Mm-hmm. Five syllables, seven syllables, five, and then you're out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Are there double haiku haikus? Could you continue? I don't think you so. Can't, it's always 575 yeah. done. It's not 575, 575. You can't just keep going. That would be haiku 2 or something. Haiku, epic haiku. Right. There's no epic haiku. There's right. haiku and that's it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Done. So these are... It's haiku about um, Star Trek, Star Wars, Doctor Who, just fandom in general. Um, yeah, that, that took a lot of time. Do, do, you, do you have any off the... T- I mean, it's been since 2012 since it was published. Oh, but can man. you give me a for instance? Um... I wrote one about Uhura's earpiece going where no man has gone before or something like that. Yeah. Uhura's earpiece was the Oh, the that, was, that was the... Yeah. Uh, that was the mm-hmm. That's incredible. And this is illustrated also? Uh, no, no illustrations. Uh, that's even better. The words paint Illustrations pictures. in your mind. Yeah. Exactly. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> um, spoiler alert, Bruce Willis is dead in 399 more endings from movies, TVs, mm-hmm. books, and life. Mm-hmm. You bastard. Yeah. <laughs> Ruining things. Yeah. I always thought, you know, if if our elders would tell us everything, <laughs> life would be a lot easier. Like, oh, spoiler alert, right. people can see you when you're changing in the bathroom, you know, right. and the window's wide open. Oh, that would save a lot of time. Do you effort. like spoilers? Spoiler culture is a big deal. I mean, do you, do you do. seek out spoilers? I don't seek them out, but I don't consciously avoid them. Um if I if I really really want to know something, mm. or it does doesn't make that much of a difference. I, f- I find that 
the the journey to the end is just as fun whether or not you know what the end really? is. Really? I mean, you know how The Hobbit ends. I, I mean, I have mixed feelings because I have, it depends on the movie, I think. Mm-hmm. You know, like, for example, like if somebody said to me right now, I know everything that happens in Star Trek Beyond, mm-hmm. I wouldn't want to know. Mm-hmm. But if somebody said to me, I know what where the setting is for the new Star Trek show 2017 I'd be like oh my god I need to know right now mm-hmm. like some things I want to know some things I don't mm-hmm. um, but I've been in situations where I've gone in completely cold mm-hmm. seen a movie in advance at a film festival or at a special screening and know nothing and when you don't and it's a movie that's reliant on a twist mm-hmm. recent examples um, like Cabin in the Woods. Did you see Cabin mm-hmm. in the Woods? That was a great yeah. example of one where people was like, don't spoil the twist. I was very, very lucky to see that movie months before it came out. Mm-hmm. And I was one of those guys, don't read anything about it, don't know anything about it, because I think that movie does play with, you know, mm-hmm. uh, the conventions of storytelling. Mm-hmm. If you went and saw The Last Star Wars knowing that Han died, I don't think that's a big what? deal. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, man, you spoiled it. <clears throat> no, I don't think that would matter because anybody who lives in the real world knows that Harrison Ford probably only wanted to do one more. Exactly, and yeah. it's like, and then I didn't know that he died, but then like the minute he got stabbed, I'm like, oh, Han dies. In the, I mean, maybe I'm just a bastard who has no, no. emotions. The but minute I, he was on the bridge, I'm like, oh, right, one contract. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I like Star Wars. I'm not anti-Star Wars, but I did not. Um, I was more, you know what got me emotional was not the impact of Han's death. It was seeing Chewbacca afterwards. Oh, yeah. Yeah, mm. that was rough. By the way, every moment we talk about Star Wars in the Star Trek podcast, driving someone out there crazy, <laughs> which is fine. Star Trek fans have to recognize that Star Wars does exist, and it's it's kind of good. You know, I for years and years, I thought you could either be a Trek or a Wars or a DC or a Marvel. It's a spectrum, man. It's a huge spectrum. <laughs> and now I'm like, I can be both. You can be both. It's okay. Um, I was born this way. <laughs> <laughs> um, but um, as is typical on Engage, the official Star Trek podcast. I don't know why we were talking about that. Um, we were oh, we, we were just kind of talking about your life, and you've done other great things. You did a Passover book called Passover is here. Yeah, that was one of my first books. What is that? It was, it was it's a, a lift the flap looking for the Afikomen book. That's the whole thing. Yeah, I mean, I'm not I saying. mean there's more to it. Right. Than that. <laughs> it's a finally nuanced study. Right, right. One it's boys. just about the Afikomen. It's it's about the Passover experience. It's it's oh okay so it's um all about Passover. Yeah. Okay, for mm-hmm. those of you who don't, don't know what the Afikomen is, um, Passover is a very interactive event uh, in, in a Jewish family. And part of the shtick is, and literally shtick, I yeah. guess, is uh, you take matzah. And everybody knows what matzah is. If you don't know what matzah is, I can't help you. But it's, a, it's like a cracker. Um, and you hide it. Grandpa hides it somewhere in the house. Mm-hmm. And the first kid to find it gets a present, gets a few bucks. Right. And usually what happens is the first kid gets it and he gets a few bucks, and all the other kids start crying, and they get a few bucks too. Right? Mm-hmm. Is that how it was in your household? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Good. So everybody wins, mm-hmm. but the kid who got it is knows that they're the special. And one. And when everyone wins, doesn't that mean everyone loses in the long run? No, that's very negative. It yeah, means you, everyone wins. A rising tide lifts all boats. It's okay to to get failure. A rising warp bubble lifts all <laughs> galaxy class starships. <laughs> All right, um, the Q Guide to Sex in the City mm-hmm. was it, not the Q, John, John Delancey no, Q. If only John Delancey's that been awesome. Q on Sex in the City would he have been more into Miranda or um, he's Q? He's into all of them. Yeah, yeah, he probably is. Probably at the same exact time <laughs> in different places because he can he can bend <laughs> exactly. uh, space and time. He can probably bend a lot of things. Oh my God! There's a new book here now <laughs> called Red Shirts Little Book of Doom. Ladies and gentlemen, we don't have a drum roll on here. 
But um, I'm going to make this photon torpedo sound as a drum roll. That's the drum roll drumming. I am now going to open Rob's new book, which is available in stores on July... July 19th. That's 10 days before the new Star Trek film. Yes. But it's also going to be available for people at... At Comic-Con. San Diego Comic-Con. If you're going to San Diego Comic-Con, you can buy it, therefore, a little bit in advance. Mm -hmm. Because it's a week before Comic-Con. Yeah. You'll be there. I'll be there signing. Do you remember where we met, Rob, before I looked at this? Las Vegas? We met in Las Vegas. Do you remember the first com- where we were in the first conversation? Because I was thinking about it today, and it's very funny. Was it dinner? Yes, but do you remember where we were? At the steakhouse? No. no. Where was it? You and I met, and it's possible we met once before quickly. Like, a hello, nice to meet you. Yeah. We sat across from each other at Sammy Hagar's restaurant in Las Vegas. <laughs> I don't know what it's called. Cabo Wabo? Is yeah. that the name of his yeah. restaurant? Uh-huh. Somehow, it was not my pick to go there. No. Um, somebody decided we're going to Sammy Hagar's restaurant. It was a big group. It was a big group. And I thought to myself, well, I'm not paying, so they can, t- <laughs> they can take me wherever the hell they want. As long as the margaritas are flowing. Right. Well, no, we didn't have margaritas. This is this is why I remember. Two great things happened to me at Cabo Wabos. Two great mm-hmm. things. Number one is I met you. Oh, thank you. That's second. That was a good thing. The number one thing that happened was I had white sangria for the first time. <laughs> Now, I, I believe in IDIC, infinite diversity, infinite combination, uh-huh. so I'm not prejudiced. So I know, where I grew up, it was red sangria, uh-huh. but I'm open to all things. Mm-hmm. White sangria, I'll give it a shot. And? The, the white sangria at Cabo Wabo's Sammy Hagar restaurant was fabulous. It was good. Do you remember that? I do. I, I probably drank a lot of it. No, we both. I thought were, it was we were joking around, and then we were mixing it. Like, let's have it a little red and a yeah. little white. Uh-huh. Not only were we not paying, we were not driving. <laughs> exactly. So this was terrific. <laughs> So, um, it's win win, really. It really was. So, now I'm looking at your book, and I'm not going to read it here, obviously, because it's oh my god, <laughs> your laughter speaks volumes. <laughs> you can just keep laughing. Oh, I opened up to a random page, and it's a bunch of kids. It's like Star Trek kids. No, it's just kids, but one of the kids is a red shirt, and they're at what appears to be some sort of birthday party, mm-hmm. and there's a pinata. But the kid with the um, blindfold is not hitting the pinata. He's whapping our red shirt in his um, uh, matter antimatter intermixed chamber, if mm-hmm. you want to say yeah. that. He's being hit in the gonads. But what made me laugh is, oh man, guys, you got to buy this book. This is too much. The pinata is Baylock, mm-hmm. and it's like a and the, lo- the kid is real Baylock. Oh man, I didn't re- yeah, the kid is real though. Yeah, that's Clint Clint Howard. Yeah. <clears throat> or the, likeness thereof. I don't think Right, I like this thereof. But the that. point is the Baylock uh the Baylock piñata is like a cheap looking dopey Baylock. But I I mean that mm-hmm. with love. Like mm-hmm. it looks like a bunch of kids tried to make Baylock into a piñata. Yeah. I almost feel like I don't want to look at it anymore because this is so <laughs> perfect. So, um and one of the kids is saying, Buen Despero, Bu- Buen Despero, Baylock. Good luck, Baylock. What language is Buen de- Spanish? Spanish. Because it's a piñata, so they're at a fiesta. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> See, I got enough sleep before school. <laughs> All right, so one of the kids is wishing Baylock good luck. And Baylock did not hit the piñata. Because he's is, got a blindfold Because he's got a blindfold on. Instead, he hit the red shirt in the gonads. And the, and the red shirt is saying, oof. So the red shirt. So what this book is, I've now determined, having opened it now, 
It's called Red Shirt's Little Book of Doom, and they're funny little tableau mm-hmm. with an X mm-hmm. of a, Fancy. of a red shirt. Does this guy have a name, or he's just we're just calling him Red Shirt? Red Shirt, like so many of the other red shirts, he's right. Just named. And it's just his life has been he's Job, mm-hmm. really. His life has just been a mess Nothing since childhood. Nothing goes his way. Mm-hmm. He goes to a party with a Baylock, and he gets hit in the gonads with a baseball bat. Mm-hmm. On this page that I randomly turned to. He's getting a parking ticket. He has parked what looks like um, the uh, shuttlecraft Galileo. It doesn't say Galileo, but it's something mm-hmm. like Galileo. Yep. Is parked at a parking meter, and it's just expired. A, 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 a meter made in uh, some sort of Starfleet uniform and a hat with the Delta Shield is giving him a ticket while he's running with his groceries. And he's dropping his groceries all over the street, too. That's very funny. Poor bit, poor Richard. Yeah, poor Richard. All right, one more, one more at random. Here we go. How many uh, pages is it? How many okay. little uh, plays, little playlets, little tableau? Fifty-two. Oh, I think so. One every week. Yeah, one every week. Yeah. If you can, if you. If okay, it's not fifty-two, you can just reread one for a couple of weeks. <clears throat> he's at a bar. Oh, he's at. Is that the bar from Wolf in the Fold? Yeah. He's at the bar from Wolf in the Fold, and there's a sexy belly dancer. And he's with McCoy and Scotty, mm-hmm. and he's trying to pay with a credit card. And this nasty flow like bartender. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is that yeah. Space Flow? Is yeah. that who she is? Space Flow. Mm-hmm. Flow is saying. <laughs> flow is the model of that. Is it really Flow? Yeah. yeah. Oh, good. Rob Perlman. <laughs> uh, flow, space Flow is saying, can't you read? And it says cash only. Poor red shirt. Poor red shirt. This book rules. <laughs> Thanks. Oh, my God. Um, I, thought so, it, I thought we needed to know what happened when Redshirt wasn't being seriously injured or killed. Right, right. You need to know what his life was like up until the moment he gets vaporized. Right. Well, I want to talk to you a, a little bit more about the research that went into this. But before mm-hmm. we do, we have to make a break because um, we need to pause because Brian told me to pause so we can have a, a word from our sponsors. So let's beam them in. Accomplished. And Standing by. Yes, ma'am. And we'll be right back after this. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. Welcome back to Engage, the official Star Trek podcast. With your host, Jordan Hoffman. You are, after all, irrational. And we're back. Um, you said there were 50, ultimately, that ended up in the book. Yeah. Um, tell me about the process. The, the process is you're taking a walk. You live here in New York. You're walking through Central Park. You're, mm-hmm. you're, you're taking a shower. You're coming up Not with, at the same time. No. Not, uh, not with de Blasio in office. Right. Um, you're thinking about funny things situations to put red shirt in mm-hmm. um you brainstorm how many before you started whittling them down that was probably about 125 okay of them and then you you get them down to 50 mm-hmm. and do you already have your illustrator at this point or you were not sure who was going to be illustrating it? no no it um it was text for a really long time mm. and then the publisher had to find the right illustrator for it and i think he did um and then it was a lot of going back and forth like when I write the text I also do a lot of art notes Mm. um, 
what I think the illustration should look like. And then there's, you know, there's <coughs> sketches and then there's little tweaks back and forth. So that was a probably about a year long process. Really? To get it, yeah. Wow. Okay. Mm -hmm. And there's some interaction by the <coughs> the owner of the Star Trek license, CBS. Oh, absolutely. Um, they give you guidelines, or they are they say there are certain things they're like, well, that's a little too risque, or I mean, what are sort of sort of the guidelines that they they give you about? Uh, you know, I'm I'm happy to say they trusted me. Right. To, well, this is your third book. It's so my third book, book, so yeah. I kind of knew what I could and and couldn't do. Um, happily, they had really not a lot of notes back to it. There were some things that legally we couldn't do because there's a lot of pop culture references in there. Mm -hmm. um, and sometimes it just, it veered a little bit towards not parody, toward infringing per perhaps on other people's rights. I see, okay. Um, okay. Which made complete and total sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but as far as like the real Star Trek-based stuff, they maybe had three notes right. altogether. And clearly, I mean, these are Star Trek fans. Yeah. We can be a little weird. I mean, this is not canon. I mean, no. the idea of Balok being as a young boy Playing with a with a with a Federation red shirt is uh, yeah. is anathema to, yeah. to a certain side of me that likes mm -hmm. to hew to canon, to the part of me that likes humor and uh, you know lightheartedness. I, this is canon adjacent. This is canon adjacent. <laughs> well, but that's a key thing because it's clearly like we said before. It's coming from you're a guy who really knows his stuff. I mean, to know, you know. That the funniest pinata in all of Star Trek is going to be Balog mm -hmm. is is you know. A, if they had hired just some humorist who doesn't know Star Trek too much, they would say, oh, yeah, the pinata's Spock. Right. Mm -hmm. That's not funny. No, that's not funny. Balok, the pinata's funny. Balok is funny. Balok, um... <clears throat> Balok is funny because you've got the two hard consonants, too. you got the <laughs> The B... Just... B yeah, it was, uh, Will, uh, what's his name? Walter Matthau in The Sunshine. Yeah. His K's are funny. Uh-huh. No, Baylock is funny, and Baylock scared the crap out of me when it's I was terrifying. a kid. Terrifying. Now, the, fir the first time I saw Baylock was not the episode. It was the image over the closing credits. Yes. And you're like, who the hell is that guy? Mm -hmm. Like, what? I know if I keep watching this show mm -hmm. on Channel 11, as I now remember, mm -hmm. not Channel 9, one day I'm going to see that mm -hmm. guy. And it was terrifying. Well, I was always really confused because it had the Desilu thing right over it. Right. Right. And I remembered Desi Lu from I Love Lucy. Right. And well, that was Fred. That, Fred Mertz was Bill. <laughs> I, I was like, is that Fred? Is it Lucy? Because the hair was kind of up. No, and... yes. Of course, the, the the whole Desi Lu thing was when we were young and we did not have access to the internet. Right. Uh, the As we now know, and I'm sure most people listening know, Lucille Ball's company produced Star Trek. Mm -hmm. And it was not sort of like... Yeah, uh, uh, she was. She wasn't just signing a check. I know she was involved. Oh, I mean, yeah. she was at first. She didn't know what the hell it was. You know mm -hmm. what she thought Star Trek was at first? When Star Trek was first pitched to her, it was pitched to her simultaneously with Mission Impossible, mm -hmm. and those are the two big shows that were going to save Desilu. And I'm not going to get into the whole history of Desilu, but it, you know the important Hollywood stuff. And they were producing a lot of great stuff. And originally it was Desi, and then Desi and she split, and then she got the studio, mm -hmm. and she was very involved creatively. But at first, Star Trek, she thought, she signed off on it. Yeah, yeah, we'll do Star Trek, too. And then they told her what it was. And, of course, at the time, it was one of the most expensive television shows of all time. It nearly mm -hmm. sank the studio. Um, Those foam she, rocks are not cheap. No, it wasn't. She thought it was like a USO tour. Like Star Trek. Star Trek. Like, like you know, Danny Kaye uh -huh. is going to, and his cadre of stars mm -hmm. are going to go on a trek mm -hmm. to... 
army bases. <laughs> she thought it was a variety show. <laughs> the red buttons follow you. Right. Yeah, she thought it was a variety show. And um, according to lore, anyhow, well, you mm-hmm. know, whether or not this is true, who the hell knows? But the legend is that she had no idea what it was. But then it was explained to her, and she was very much on board mm-hmm. and uh, loved it and backed it. And there were a lot of opportunities to step away from it. And many at Desilu, there was a change of changing of the guard of various execs at one point and they said this show is great and it's doing well in the ratings but it's costing us a fortune and she's like no 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 this show is good and and we're sticking with it mm-hmm. so and then she got her head caught in the warp drive and Ethel had a comment <laughs> hilarity <laughs> ensued who do you think was putting the chocolates in the replicator <laughs> you know Baylock. it was, it was <laughs> like that. She's, you know and and uh Tranya is actually Vita Mita Vegemin right yeah. so all right so uh so you, so you were stunned as a kid. You were looking at Desi Lu, and there was a disconnect. You're like, why is I Love yeah. Lucy, and this frightening, horrible creature, uh-huh. uh, the same thing? Mm-hmm. Cool. So doing the research for this book, I mean, clearly you love Star Trek. You 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 know it. You watched it, but then the idea, um, which by, by the way, the idea came to you in a dream, came out of a, a brainstorming session with the publishers. I mean, it was it was just uh, I th- you know I think I was just sort of thinking about my life and how klutzy I am during the day, <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, oh, I redshirted it again, and I was like, wait a minute, what that, what else happens to redshirt? Right, what happens prior? What, what's what is redshirt's little book of doom? Mm-hmm. What is their life? So it's a funny. Uh, a funny look at that. And um, you know, I, I, I like secondary characters. Mm. Like, I like knowing what that guy off to the side, what what's his story? Why is he there? Um, and I thought, we know a lot about Kirk. We know a lot about Spock. We know nothing about Red Shirt. He had, yeah. Maybe he had a family. Maybe right. he had a dog. Who knows? Well, those are some of the great episodes are mm-hmm. when you're learning about the ancillary characters. Yeah. A great season six episode of, or season seven episode of TNG, The Lower Decks. Oh, yeah. Which I mentioned on another show. Mm-hmm already um it's all about the guys in the background that mm-hmm. you, you know that that interact with Riker once in a while mm-hmm. and you know it's about their their life and whatnot mm-hmm. my my favorite guy off to the side mm-hmm. was in um what are little girls made of yeah so it's the scene chapel is standing next to kirk yeah and they're talking to the doctor on the, on the on the planet dr cordry dr cordry yeah um and Kirk and Chapel are talking, and there's a guy in the background giving her the stink eye. <laughs> it, it's it's hilarious. Really? I, I pause it all the time. Wow. It, it just delights me because like, what um, does he have against her? Wow. He's kind of in nurse's scrubs a little bit, so maybe there's a little professional rivalry going on. I there. would have to watch that one again. I'm, took, I'm mostly taken with Andrea and the outfit she's wearing in that episode. So, yeah, you know, trying to wear. Right. <laughs> trying to and wear. that's the episode, I think, with the first red shirt death. Is that right? I think so. Yeah? Okay. Yeah. Um, well, no, so I wanted to talk to you about red shirts on the show and um, some of the favorites. And I see mm-hmm. that you brought some notes with you. I'm prepared. So... When when you were writing this book, did you then go back and rewatch and with an eye toward Red Shirts and original series to sort of get an essence of them some more? Or was you know, I, I did that for Kirk and Spock because it was so much of it is episode specific mm, or okay. character specific. Right. And for Red Shirt, I really wanted to sort of use my own imagination. Okay, I wanted to take little elements of it, but I felt like if if I was being too married to what was going on on screen, it might change the direction of the book a little bit. I wanted to make it more fantastical, just sillier. Right. Um, and, you know, I, Red Shirt never dies in the book. Right. 
that I made a very strict. Thank point. God for that. He never dies. There's no guns. There's but no. But he will though. Eventually, we right. all will. Right. It's the nature. But of he life. might. Get, but he his death might be. So I have a list of my favorite red shirt. My, okay. my the the ones that I'm most taken with. Mm-hmm. And I see that you've got some. What what is it that's in your notebook over there that I see? You've written um, down. Yeah, just a couple of episodes with some notable red shirt deaths. All right, give, give me so, give me your give me your few favorites. Well, in what are little girls made of? Okay, um, Matthews, who I think is the very first red shirt death, uh-huh. was played by an actor named Vince Dedrick. Uh, Dedrick or Dedrick? Dedrick. Okay, I have a friend whose last name is Dedrick. Is he okay? Ded- it's a she, and she's she's pretty okay. Oh, okay, good, good. good. <laughs> <laughs> the red shirt deaths I love the most are the ones where they're just standing there and something terrible happens right. to them. Yeah. If they're in battle, okay, fine. Right, yeah. They but went if, out in a place. Yeah. Exactly. But yeah. like in, um, what is it? Like in Obsession. Right. Okay, there's lots of, you know, they get, the cloud. They get killed by comes. a scented candle or right, whatever. Yeah. That smell, exactly. that scent, the glade. You know? Yeah, like, it's so great. <laughs> wizard or something. It's so great. Uh, there's a lot, of, a lot of cool deaths that way. Mm-hmm. Um my favorites, I'm going to give you, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to run my favorites by you mm-hmm. and you tell me what you think. I actually wrote an article on Star Trek.com years ago, 2012. I wrote this of my 10 favorite. Should I give you the top you 10, 10 or just, or just go to the five? Well, no, I How got much time to, do we have. I'm going to give you the five. <laughs> okay. Although I got to mention number seven in, uh, in the apple, there's the guy that gets stabbed to death with, um, like spores yeah. from a plant. Uh-huh. His name is Crewman Hendorf. He's the one I relate to the most because my allergies really? are so bad. <laughs> I feel like nature is always trying to kill me. So oh, sure. Rob. Uh, in 2012, I wrote Crewman Hendorf's Crewman Hendorf gets popped in the chest by a group of killer stamens, which <laughs> further frightened indoor kids to stay home lest their allergies get the best of them. There you go. Them. Yeah. So uh-huh. clearly we we identify <laughs> on this issue. Um, no, the, the 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 one the top three are the ones. Listen, in the Changeling Nomad mm-hmm. kills multiple red shirts at once with a beam. Yes. Mm-hmm. We might have a sound effect that goes with that. No, not really. But we have cool sound effects. That one was intense. Yeah, because Nomad itself is not that scary to look at. You're mm-hmm. like, ah, it's a you know floating pots and pans or whatever. He looks a little bit like Tom Servo from Mystery Science Theater. He sure 3000. does. He sure does. Yeah, without the cute beak. Um, and then, but but he's a killer. He killed four people in, in, in at once. Yeah. you know, and he like mind wiped Uhura. You know, that is one of the strangest things in all of the original series. Because by the next episode, she's back. Mm-hmm. Or is she not in the next one? No, I, I think she know. is in the next one. But And they, they do make an oblique reference to it, though. It's not, like, totally forgotten. In the next episode? You know what? Well, the end of that episode, I think Chapel says, oh, she's back up to college level. Right, right. That's what it is. That's what it is. They're, yeah. they're, that, that's exactly what it is. Um, yeah, they have to reteach her the alphabet. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, yeah, that's what it is. It's by like she goes away because it happens like mid episode. He they mind wipe her, and mm-hmm. then it's like there she then like they're showing her learning. That kind of freaked me out as a kid. You yeah. know, that was uh, and she reverts to Swahili. Swahili. Yeah, that's yeah. her. That is her native mm-hmm. tongue, or well, I guess it's her native tongue because she would revert and she speaks Swahili in um, in naked time also. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, my two favorite red shirts death, and this is one that showed was really I think quite groundbreaking for Star Trek. Mm 
was Yeoman Leslie Thompson. Mm, yeah. She, they killed a woman, which um, one could argue is, uh, you know, not good, mm-hmm. or one could argue is good, is the ultimate form of equality. Right. Because, um, you know, one of Star Trek's great, great things was that it did treat women with a degree of equality because they mm-hmm. were on the bridge. I mean, they wore a lot of skimpy outfits, but that was, you know, for its day, it was still, you know, it's, it's, there's a lot of different ways to come on the feminism mm-hmm. side of original series. I think, by and large, its intentions were good. Yeah. <clears throat> and one of the ways of this was by killing uh, Yeoman Thompson. Mm-hmm. and But killing her in the weirdest and most horrifying way imaginable. But I think it's also important to your point to put it in the context of you don't know if the white woman is killed or the black man is killed. Oh, Because right. they both turn into cubes and you don't right. know who he crushed until, until after. he gets until reconstituted. He gets, oh wow. So it's it would have yeah, it's heavy either way. Um you know it's funny, I was just reading there is um there was a, a something that was cut for time in Conscious of the King, which we were talking about earlier. Mm-hmm. There was a mo- this was just as um they were kind of writing um Janice Rand off the show. Mm-hmm. And there was a scene that was supposed to happen that they were gonna shoot but they didn't. It was when they're on the um on the um the walk, right? There's a mm-hmm. great scene where uh, Kirk and the gal are on the mm-hmm. observation walk. Yeah. And originally, uh, Yeoman Ram was going to walk by and there was going to be a exchange of glances. And then she was going to say something, oh, is that your girlfriend or whatever? Mm-hmm. And Kirk was supposed to have this whole speech about like, uh, you know, on my ship, uh, you, you know, you, you, to the tune of on my ship, uh, you know, I don't fiddle around with the yeomans because on my ship, everyone uh, is treated equally. Mm-hmm. You know, something... Something very progressive, mm-hmm. as he's about to make out with this woman right, on the observation right. deck, but uh, which would have been great, I think, because mm-hmm. uh, you know I think Star Trek was already progressive for its time, but that would have been a nice extra one. But they had to cut it for time or anything. But then, then in this episode that we're talking about, uh, the Kelvins from the Andromeda Galaxy, which, by the way, uh, when they introduce themselves, it's one of the great throwaway bits of comedy in, of Shatner's uh, career in Star Trek. When he says he mentions the galactic barrier because mm-hmm. the Kelvins can't get back to everybody, I think I think if you're listening to the show, you remember what the Kelvins did. They can't get back across the barrier, and he, the Kelvin says, uh, "Yeah, it's a bad energy barrier," and Shatner's like, "Yes, I know, we've been there." He's kind of throws <laughs> it away, like, "Yeah, have you watched season one? My God!" <laughs> but the way he throws it away is just terrific. Uh, it's a great callback to the original. So they transform with their Kelvin Andromeda. Uh, higher powers into these polygons of chalk mm-hmm. and then and then Kirk's like bring me back my crew and they and crushes one of them yeah and then and then the other one comes back to life and like never's like you know where yeah of course as a kid you're watching this like well where did he go what was he th- what was he thinking what was he experiencing while mm-hmm. he was living life as a cube right you never know and the other one you just assume is dead because mm-hmm. uh she's crushed yeah. She's crushed. Yeah. She's crushed. I hope that this guy, I hope Redshirt in your book doesn't, uh, I hope whatever his fate is, it's a little better than that. He's okay. He's okay? He's okay. All right. But the weirdest one for me that I wrote was uh, the death of Sam in Charlie X. Oh, yeah. I guess that would have been the first red shirt. He's not wearing a red shirt. He's wearing a, an orange. Like a robe. He's wearing yeah, a robe. Like a Taekwondo thing. <laughs> uh, Kirk is wearing red pants yeah sure he's wearing red pants Mm -hmm. in that um but sam is just evaporated into non 
existence. Mm-hmm. We don't know what the hell happens mm-hmm. to him. I just, I always assumed he came back at the end when Charlie made everything right. It's never quite clear. It isn't. It's never quite clear. Um, I'd like to think so too. Mm-hmm. But if nobody says, hey, get that guy back from before, right. would because you know he caused so much other damage. I mm-hmm. mean, who knows what, what he did? Bad kid. Totally. Totally bad kid. You know, at the time uh, that they shot that, the actor was like 28 or something like that. <laughs> he was 20. Wait, who, Charlie or the yeah, other guy? Charlie. Charlie was 28. I don't know if he was 28, but he was not 14. Wow, he was 23. <laughs> uh, he was in his 20s. Somebody will, will send us a note via... via uh, Somebody will tweet at us, or we can look it up ourselves. He was the nephew of some studio executive. No, no, he was, a, he was, a, he was a known uh, quantity. Mm-hmm. Oh, the actor. Who was the actor on Charlie X? See, uh, let me just go to my internet here. Uh, no, Robert Walker was the actor's name, and oh, right. he was um, 26 or so. Um, he was like 26 years old. No, and he had been in... Um, he had been in a lot of movies. He looked good for 26. Ensign Pulver. That was what oh, it was. Wow. That yeah. was his big hit. Um, so to speak. So he was kind of a known quantity. Um, but yeah, he, he could, pe- he was like the, he was the type of like 14, 15 year old that does look older and that mm-hmm. makes them creepier because yeah. they're like a man boy mm-hmm. in this like boy's brain, man body. Right. Totally would slap Janice Rand around. Oh yeah. You know? mm-hmm. Inappropriately. Mm-hmm. Charlie, we don't do that. There was no appropriate slapping around of Janice Rand. No, no. I mean, absolutely not. Mm-hmm. Never. Um, she does the slapping. Indeed. Um, Rob, listen, we're about out of time. Oh. I feel like you just got here, but we have been chatting for a while. I've really enjoyed this conversation. Thanks, I've been having me too. a lot of fun. I want to talk to you again at some point. Um, the last time I saw you before this, you were at the concert, right? Remember yeah, that? The yeah. Star Trek. The symphonic oh what's the official name it's one the of the ultimate many. experience yeah i think it might have been the ultimate something the voyage the ultimate, the ultimate voyage, voyage. Yeah. the ultimate voyage mm-hmm. there is right now this year as it is the 50th anniversary of star trek this september 8th will be the 50th anniversary of the, of the first airing of the man trap and there's all kinds of cool stuff happening one of which and it's just and um wrapping up but it's still out there is a symphony orchestra playing themes from the series, from the movies, to clips, to these really beautiful supercuts, if you will, mm-hmm. of all kinds of stuff. And we saw it in New York yeah, at the great. theater at Madison Square Garden, mm-hmm. which is no joke of a theater. It's yeah. not It's not Madison Square Garden where the Knicks play. It's the theater attached to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I kind of went in going, well, like, all right, well, let's see what it's like. It was terrific. That's I had great. a really great time. Yeah. And it's still out there. It's going to Paris. Really? That's where it ends, in September in That's Paris. fantastic. There are a couple of more dates in the U.S. I know they're going to do a big gig in Minneapolis soon. Like, that's at a major event. And if it's not Minneapolis, it's Milwaukee. It's something with an M. M, they're near each other, you know. (laughs) There's cheese and cold involved. Yeah, yeah. They're pretty close to one another, Minneapolis. Potato, potato. Yes. Um, But that's just one of a a many tremendous 50th anniversary events that are happening. Mm -hmm. You mentioned that you're going to be at San Diego Comic-Con. Yeah. There's going to be a lot of cool Star Trek stuff happening in San Diego Comic-Con, some of which I'm not allowed to talk about. Mm. Some of which is um, I can talk about, which is an art exhibit. Mm-hmm. There's an exhibit. Oh, is this a book that your this company is, has published? the official calendar that ties into the right. 
In addition to, I should say, in addition to writing these tremendous Star Trek books and all the other books you mentioned, you work for... I work for Rizzoli, right. which is an uh, art book publisher, and we also have a, a calendar division, and we are the official calendar licensee of Star Trek. So the Ship of the Line calendars? Ships of the Line, the Engagement calendar, the original series calendar. We're going to do a Star Trek Beyond calendar. Oh. Yeah. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and what you have in your hands right now is a, a poster calendar that uh, has 12 of the images from the 50 for 50 art exhibit. Okay, so the 50 for 50 art exhibit, which is, the, it's going to be happening in multiple locations, among them being, uh, it's going to be in Vegas. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, I think it launches at Comic-Con. It launches at yeah. San Diego Comic-Con. Mm-hmm. It's right near the convention center. It's a short walk from the convention center. If you got to get away from the convention center for 10 minutes and catch your breath, there is an art gallery, and I don't know the name of it off the top of my head, but it's near the convention center, where there are 50 different great images of really, and remarkable artists are involved. Now, uh, Leonard Nimoy was involved in one of them as well, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. He didn't draw it, but he was, it's sort of a collage thing that he he did. Well, I'm looking at 12 now, and who got to choose which 12 of the 50 made the calendar? Well, I have to say we were, um, you know, the, the format is vertical. So we have okay. to pick a lot of vertical. All right. Well, that helps. That helps because this is not. <laughs> so yeah, that's, this that's is a very unique looking calendar. Also, it almost looks like a sketch pad. Yeah. Um, we wanted to get a really good range of different series and different artists yeah. and different art styles. And I know that some of these some of these are on StarTrek.com, mm-hmm. um, but many of these I'm seeing for the first time. So I'm not going to describe them too much, but I will say that uh, some of them kind of look like uh, propaganda images. Some of them look like movie posters. Some of them have quotes. Uh, they're all different designs. Mm-hmm. And there are some great, there's some deep cut stuff in here. Yeah. But this will be available in San Diego. So this will yeah. be available. This it's, will be, it's available for, for pre-order now wherever you get You can your pre-order it right yeah. now. And by the time San Diego comes around in really six weeks, yeah. this will be available mm-hmm. uh, everywhere. So then I, I'm, not, I'm not teasing you too much, I hope. So you work at Rizzoli full-time, and there's a store, a Rizzoli store downtown in Soho. Is. Yep. is that where you work? We moved around. Okay, the one in Soho's not there anymore? No. Oh, but no, the one now a, is on? It's Broadway and 26th. Okay. Is that, where you, store. is that where you work? No, no, I work in the Rizzoli publishing offices. Oh, but I feel like potentially they, the, the offices could be in the second, you know, the upstairs from the store. It's possible. Yeah, it's that possible. would have been nice, yes. kind of a mom-and-pop thing. Yeah. You know. You work in a bland corporate office in Midtown. Is what <laughs> you're saying. Oh man, you <laughs> but I have a window. Better. I have a window. You've got a window. Okay, cool. And what are some of the other things you got here? So that's a nice marriage of, you know, you work on Star Trek products for your day job, and then your evening job is you work on Star Trek products. That's great. Yeah, it's all Star Trek all the time. You got to get a hobby, man. <laughs> so uh, we have here. So this is the engagement calendar, which nice. features the original series. To complement the wall calendar, right. featuring the official, kind of a classic wall ca- uh, calendar, and there's and the classic ships of the ships line, of the 2017. Line. Yeah, and this changes every year. Every year, it's all new art. Okay, cool. So you're the man behind. The, you're one of the men behind this. I'm one of the men. Um, great, 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 great. Okay, cool. I mean, this maybe we should we, we got to go because it's it's time to go now. Rob, when does Ships of the Line become available for people to get? It's for available for, for pre-order now. Not everywhere. pre-order. When could they go to a store and buy it? September, probably. We're going to have you back in September. Awesome. How does that sound? I mean, I'm going to see you again, certainly in Las Vegas, but I'd like to have you come back, yeah. and we'll talk about this in September. I'd love it. Thank you so much. I'm going to beam you out. Rob, thanks again for coming in. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Jordan. Bye. And there he goes. Back to his... 
bland office in Midtown, but that has a window, so don't feel too bad. I want to thank everybody again for listening. It's been another fun time here on Engage, the official Star Trek podcast. You know what I'm going to say, but I'm going to say it anyhow. It is your obligation as a member of Starfleet to do the following thing. You must rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. But, but Jordan, I don't like Apple products. I don't use them. I don't care. Rate and review. Don't subscribe then, but rate and review. Rate it highly. It only goes up to five. Rate it ten. Figure it out. Review. Say it's great. Rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. Tweet at me at Jay Hoffman. Use the hashtag EngagePod because I do want to hear from you. As I said at the beginning, we're taking our cues from you. Uh, we want to know which kind of guests you want. Do you want more people like Rob? Probably. Do you want less people like Rob? No, I don't think so. I think you want more people like Rob. But you tell me and you you back up your, your argument and, and, and we'll listen. Uh, you tweet at me at Jay Hoffman. You must like us on Facebook. What you can do after is you can mute it if it gets annoying, but you still have to like it because we need that approbation from you. Facebook.com slash engage the official Star Trek podcast. Facebook.com slash the official Star Trek podcast or just, just throw in engage at the top of your Facebook bar. Uh, we're on play.it slash Star Trek. You can subscribe on any number of podcast listening streams. Uh, on, on, if you use an Android product, you can do it. It's exciting. It's the best time to be a Star Trek fan right now. So um, we're going to be back soon. Our next guests, um, we have some cool stuff lined up. You know, we're getting closer to the release of the motion, the, the, the Star Trek Beyond, the new movie. We're getting closer to that. I know for a fact that we are going to soon have more people from the world of publishing on the show, uh, particularly the comics the people at IDW Publishing are going to be on soon. If they're not on the next episode, they're on the one right after that. So they're coming up soon uh, because what's going on in the comics world right now with Star Trek is almost as good. It's equally good to what's happening uh, with uh, Rob Perlman stuff. They're equally. You'd have to get a, an electron microscope to determine which is more, more good. That's how good they both are. Um, so I want to thank you again for listening and we'll hear from you soon. Until then... Keep on trekking. We'll talk to you soon. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.